Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, this week, a special episode, a little bit of a deviation from what we usually do. Uh, we've got returning to the show doctors Letitia Brown, Mike Dando, and Virginia Khan, along with honorary PhD from Scatterbrain University, honorary PhD in paranormal psychology or parapsychology, maybe both. Adam Griffin. Uh, and together we are talking about one of the greatest science fiction shows of all time, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This is episode 67 of Untenured Treks. So we are here tonight together to to celebrate the life and times of Benjamin Lafayette Cisco. Yes. Lafayette. <laughs> 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 that Hamilton reference. Sorry. I love it. I, love I didn't it. even make the connection. We're 40 um, seconds in and off the rails. Perfect. <laughs> and uh and really like the all-around incredible cast of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine a yeah. show that is now 20 years old. Oh, 21, I think. Uh, that uh, I have talked to each of you about individually. Uh, Griff about this basically every day. <laughs> and as these things go with our <laughs> friendship over the last however many years, I feel bad about, <laughs> about <laughs> only bugging Griff about this <laughs> every day and have to bring more people in. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> about, to talk to I me feel about bad him. about our friendship of <laughs> decades. <laughs> yeah, that's anxiety. When that, when that went different in his head. So, <laughs> I understand the sentiment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, 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 when you want to talk about it later after this, I'll be there for that yep. too. It's fine. <laughs> when we, when I remember something else that I forgot to talk about. Like, oh, <laughs> it's okay. I blow you up for Star Wars every day. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this this could have very easily been uh, the Star Wars <laughs> news breakdown show too. Um, I do realize that I'm wearing my Star Wars shirt to talk about <laughs> Deep Space Nine. I feel like I'm not like nobody's gonna see this, but I feel wrong. <laughs> the Rebel Alliance shirt with the dad sweater is a good combination. This it's is like my good... this is my signature look. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's like it's like post future punk. Right, like I rebelled, like back in my day. <laughs> yeah. up to the I rebelled, but now I need a nap. Yep. Is exactly <laughs> my my mood. I'm glad that's coming across. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't, I don't like doing like formal interview stuff. But like, what do we? What do you like? What are your memories of the show when it was first on? Like, what do you remember so, from back in the day? When it was first on, because growing up, I had this deep-seated fear of aliens, and I was afraid that it was going to be like scary aliens, like 
I used to have these dreams where I was abducted. So like I didn't mess around with aliens until grad school. And that's when I came into Star Trek and I was like, oh, I actually like these aliens. (laughs) They will not kill me in my sleep. That's lovely. Grad school definitely expands your horizons. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I didn't mess around with aliens until grad school. I thought you meant like exactly. xenomorphs. I was like, I, I respect that. Oh, you're like <laughs> talking about like everything. You're everything. Okay. <laughs> like signs ruined my life. Like I, I couldn't sleep. Shyamalan like, ruined a lot of our lives. <laughs> I was like, what in the world did I just watch? <laughs> watch Joaquin Phoenix. Man. <laughs> Wow. So why, wait, how did you get, sorry, why Why did you get into it in grad school, though? That's really interesting. Yeah, so, of course, you know, like most things in life, when you like men, I was dating a guy who liked Star Trek <laughs> and, and Renaissance Fairs, and so I got into Star Trek and Renaissance Fairs, and I will say that was the one good thing about that relationship, was that it introduced Star Trek <laughs> and Red Fairs. I will always appreciate that. <laughs> That's incredible. Thank you. Look at that. Yes. That's a that's a catch. Let me tell right. you. A snack. But that's interesting because like for me, I watched like I watched DS9 from like from the jump. Nice. Um but I was raised see here's the here's the thing is I was raised in this really conservative household. Hmm. Um and dad sweater not no, you know, withstanding, like I like one of the only things we were allowed was like Star Trek because it was considered like wholesome, right? Like what? Yeah, right. Like okay. it was like Captain Kirk and going on adventures. Like to give right. you, a, I'll sum up. Let me sum up my childhood. GI Joe, yes. Smurfs, the devil. Whoa. <laughs> right. Okay. So, okay. but this is really interesting because I can, because I, you know, grad, what grad school did for me was help me to really professionalize my over analyzing of things oh, yeah. and like mm-hmm. oh yeah right so like i look back at, and i honestly think that d space nine really started me sort of thinking about like especially the later seasons right mm-hmm. like religion and politics and the interplay between the two and that um i think um Andy, you and I were talking about the oh, I'm, and I'm blanking on the name, but it's the one where he's just like recording in his diary, and you're like, "Yo, oh, Cisco, right? Yep. right. Oh no, right. you bad right. man!" He deletes it at the end. I'm like, oh. <gasps> "I know my, hear, my hero narratives." Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And how that, dare that you, Benjamin Lafayette, Cisco? So, <laughs> but so I get it. I feel him. you. Because, you know, you come up in that, I came up in this, this household of like, man, you know who was great? George Washington. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that well, oh, couple of things. <laughs> I can now look back and now having read some books, I'm like, oh. He was, yeah. Yikes. I prefer when I thought his teeth were made right, of wood. Exactly, yeah. Right, exactly. And so, and so coming yeah. up, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in my, in my teens, right? And so I'm beginning to then as as Star Trek has always done, it disrupts those st- so sort of grand narratives, those status quo narratives. Maybe not even as heavy handed as it was in like remember the old the 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 original series where it was Frank Gorshin and he was like black on one side and white on the other side and the other guy's like I don't like oh you because you got the colors on the other side. It's like it's pretty ham fisted gene, but I think I see what you're doing. A little bit. But that right. was that was me. That was my first like. I, kept, I, I came for the aliens, actually, and I stayed for the political commentary. 
at, at like 13 or whatever. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't think that I was very aware of the political aspect of it when I first watched it because I watched it on and off when I was a teenager. Um, so I was getting like the character stories, but not the way that everything fit together and not like the overarching narratives of it. So it wasn't until much later when I came back and watched it as like a cohesive story that I started to be aware of how it was pushing back against that utopian narrative that the original series and TNG had sort of established. And then it was showing that the Federation was this neoliberal imperialist society you know, with some problems. And I know there's a lot of Star Trek fans who are really emphatic about like the communist utopia of the Star Trek universe, which I think has always been one of its aspirational ideals. Mm -hmm. And DS9 was really integral in undercutting that, which is right. why so many people didn't like it for a long time, mm -hmm. um, which is actually why I think it has stood the test of time so well because it was able to push back against that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Without, without having like a Wesley crusher there to, right. to do like the moralizing <laughs> episodes and, and, and actually like, I think you can make a pretty strong case that the two boys on the station, Jake and Nagar couldn't be further <laughs> away right. from like this kind of Pollyanna sort of character that that they they saddled will wheaton with i love it <laughs> what about you griff uh well so science fiction has always been like the big thing in, in my house uh as my dad refers to it he needs his space stuff and his action <laughs> so so uh even like when i was a kid going to uh my grandma's house like next generation would always be on tv you know because it was in syndication uh, as far as, you know, Deep Space Nine goes, it stands out to me, uh, because, well, number one, Cisco at the forefront. Right. Uh, number two, uh, because of the relationship between Cisco and his son, Jake. I love it. Um, now here's a, here's a fun bit of lore for, for me growing up and like how I saw media and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of my earliest memories of watching something, uh, with, with, my dad, my parents, uh, was this old uh, mid-80s action movie with uh, Michael Dudikoff and Steve James. Uh, Steve James was like the go-to black dude. He played Kung Fu Joe in uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yes, yes. Uh, but he was the go-to dude in, in the American Ninja series. But um, and it took me like, I, I go on these research bins where I try to find stuff from my childhood. And I couldn't figure out uh, this one movie that uh, Steve James and Michael Dudikoff were in because of something that's completely screwed up that happens in it. So it's, you know, one of these old 80s buddies movies. And Michael Dudikoff's character goes to Steve James' house with, uh, you know, Steve James has family there, you know, all black family. And, you know, they got friends hanging out. And then, uh, you know, some, some, some terrorists, whatever, rush the house, kill the family. Killed Steve James, killed a kid, <laughs> and then the '80s movie goes on its way. 
What? With Michael Dudikoff getting revenge and all this other stuff. Um, so the fact that they killed off the black character's family and the kid, you know, kind of stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go in 10, 15 years later, uh, Star Trek finally has its lead character, black character, played by Avery Brooks, uh, Avery Brooks with uh, his son. It's kind of this focal point of the show. And for that, you know, Deep Space Nine will always, like, you know, have a spot on the list. Just because it presented something uh, that I kind of needed to see in media and kind of, you know, supplant that earlier memory of encountering right. something that I shouldn't have seen. So that's, you know, that's why I always kind of represent it. Did you ever figure out what that movie what that movie was? Uh, I think. Are you, are you not saying it on purpose? So no, I can. Wanna, I can pull it up. Attention to it. I can pull it up because it was. Uh, it's going to take a while. I'm sure okay. if, if, this, if this goes anywhere. That's. I mean, Grip. That's a really interesting point because I think one of the th- reasons that for me it stands up and like this is Andy knows this, but and, and you might know it a little bit, but like my whole research trajectory is on pop culture education and democratic engagement for mm-hmm. for for young kids for yep. like high school and middle school and high school kids that's what i do nice. um and i think you just like nailed it why it does why does it hold up because it's a counter narrative yeah you know what i'm saying like just just in that classic sense of there's this kind of what we're talking about like there's this grand narrative and then cisco comes along in the first can I, are we swearing on you this can, podcast? You can swear. The first fucking thing he says is, "I'm not Picard." Yep. yep. Right. Oh yeah. Such a, that's, such I mean, a that's it. That sets the stage, that right? Like, right. They were like, "Oh, you thought you know Star Trek, huh?" And not only that, but he hates Picard. Oh, he hates yeah. Picard because yeah. Picard like, killed his whole family for legitimate reasons. Like his whole right. like, right? <laughs> like that's his whole life, right? It's like, look, I get it. You know, and I and I got this whole thing about Borg as analogy for whiteness, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> um, talk, that's another podcast, right? I love it. it is. Like, yeah, it is. It's absolutely sure. like I'll, I'll do it now, but um, but yeah, yeah, like that's the big thing is is for so many people, mm-hmm. the only like you had Jordy, like I'm just thinking right. about like in the 90s, right? Like mm-hmm. you had Jordy, yeah. and Jordy, I mean, national treasure. Global, oh, universe, sure. galactic treasure. Universal treasure. Yeah. Bavar Burton. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Right? Criminally like, underutilized, right? Yeah. By the yeah. way. Right? <laughs> like, but you, like, when you compare, just even just thinking about like the, the characters, right? Uh, from DS9 to TNG. And like, one of the reasons I think DS9 is so much better is because the characters have actual complexity. And yeah. it's not just like, the engineer is blind. There's a counselor who's kind of psychic. <laughs> Sometimes, unless unless the plot demands that <laughs> there's a robot who is just right. like right. however many years of Pinocchio, and he's, and, and he's friends, and he's friends with the engineer. Like it's cool, but like my my whole thing is like that was that was as complex as it got with telling right. stories, especially with people of color. Right? Is you got Michael Dorn, who was the noble savage trope kind of like yeah. right like yeah. come from punching, the warrior culture bag. and he and he's a punching bag so he's he's a person of color that's written violently yeah right and i mean know. yes it's like uh michael dorn's awesome um without an uh, generation we don't get gargoyles the cartoon either but that's a different thing um <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like what are you doing later i gotta go record 
<laughs> for that cartoon about when we're gargoyles. Right. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but but DS Nine was changed was fundamentally a game changer in the way Star Trek told those stories, mm-hmm. and it was a gutsy move. Yeah. And Avery Brooks didn't even really want to like. He was like, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, a spaceship. Is it a spaceship? It's not. It's an old broken gyroscope. Okay. <laughs> So that's what it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shouts out to the set designers. Like, oh, yeah. Could be it. Oh, but yeah. like, it changed the game. Like Griff, like, absolutely for for so many of us thinking about what what who whose stories can be told, how oh, can they be right. told, what does it even mean to have like these stories told in these complex ways? And mm-hmm. it's yeah. so important still. Like even yes. if it's like intergenerational blackmail love, right? Yep. Like the love between Cisco and his son, between Cisco and his father, like yeah. those are still things that we don't like see. Right. And like this emotional love, like he'll kiss his son. Yep. And like, we still have people today like, oh, you kiss your son. Like that's gross. And it's like, really? Like, why can't you be affectionate toward your child? I don't, I don't understand. But it's like, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. There's a and I love that. I love that it gives Worf more depth. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. it's the because redemption deserves, of Worf in a lot of ways. So much yes. more than he was given. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah. It was great. There, There's a part, I think it's at the very beginning of season seven or the end of season six, I forget. But uh, Cisco and Jake are back on Earth because Dax is, has died. Yeah. And Cisco goes on this, like, he, he's just like, I screwed up. Like, he, he feels responsible for her death. Mm-hmm. And so he's, He's back, like cleaning clams at his dad's restaurant. Yeah, and he had a, he has a vision, and they're they're getting ready to leave. And he makes a joke to Jake about like, I'm going to ask your granddad if I can take a bucket of these with us on the runabout. And yeah. and Jake makes some crack at him, which like watching it, I I'm pretty sure it wasn't in the script. <laughs> like, but it's like it's complete like 18 year old kid like teasing his dad kind of thing. And Cisco gets up and he like snaps him with the towel he's using and you hear jake like howl and laughter like off camera and it's it's amazing like yeah just how how close those two must have been in real life like or the bond that developed over over seven seasons of this like on the surface like weird (laughs) weird alien show (laughs) that these guys at least on camera like really seem to have this father-son kind of kind of thing um like there are there are lots of moments like that. I, I saw the one where he uh he and Cassidy get engaged and Jake is like giving him shit about it right away. Right. <laughs> like I introduced you and you gave me so much hell about this. You were like, right. I can't go out the freighter captain. <laughs> 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 and it's like it's amazing. And they yeah. and they um he asks Jake to be his best man and Jake like is is overwhelmed and they they kiss again there and it's like this great thing that if it happened if this was on TV today like Twitter would explode with like yeah. I can't believe right, right. that this show is doing this and right. this is 1999 I think yeah. and one of one of the things I love about Deep Space Nine especially the way that Avery Brooks and uh Jake Lloyd per- portray that relationship and Deep Space Nine on a larger macro level is that it is not a tragedy narrative right right do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not. Yeah. Yes, it's tra- it's got con- you know, conflict and drama and stuff. But like, one of the best episodes, and I will I will go I will go round for round. One of the best episodes is when he was like, "Y'all know, you know, what we need to do we need to go play baseball in the holiday." Right. Right. <laughs> because I it's about joy. About, but I, right. I need to I need to correct you. You said Jake Lloyd, who is 
Not, uh, not Jake Lloyd. Not, um, <laughs> different, a whole different, no, whole, a different, different thing. whole different franchise. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I can't keep my galaxy straight. I'm so tired. No, but like, well, now I've undercut everything I was going to say. But no, like, so, the, the whole thing is like, it's it's about that. It's about joy. It's about yeah. like Cisco sharing what he loves with his family. Mm-hmm. That's this motley, motley crew and. Worf is a part of that, but he mm-hmm. gets to explore who he is. Right. Yeah. Not in that episode necessarily, though he does have some of the best lines. Um, yeah. but it's like you're way overly violent about this game. <laughs> um, it's it's the, but, the best like co-op or subversion it's, it's, of like those those tropes. It's 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 lovely. Um but like Worf gets to Michael Dorn gets to explore the character of who Worf is, not just like, oh, he's he was raised by is it Russian immigrants yes. or like, like it, it's yeah. more than just like oh here's your tropes. It's right. what does it what does it mean? What does it mean to be a father? You yeah. know, you get to actually raise Alex now, Alexander, yeah. and then and 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 there's that. Yes, it's very joyful and it's very complicated and it's messy, but that's a fully human presentation of. Of these yeah. lives, which yeah. hadn't been done in Trek before, and they right. do and a and marvelous job. Certain redemption for Alexander Prashanko too, who is a total doofus in Next Generation. And <laughs> Correct. Oh I, have, I have to imagine a ratings killer, and then he is the cousin up. Oliver of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up and he's enlisted in the in the in the Klingon military, yeah. and you're like, yeah. Jesus Christ, Alexander, like, what are you doing? <laughs> this is not going to be good. And, and so not- is Worf, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, I know. <laughs> I appreciate it, but uh uh-uh. I know you and love you, and please stop this, whatever this is. The the baseball episode and the holodeck heist episode were the first ones that I was thinking of, Andy, when you were saying how nice it would be to get the prestige TV treatment, is if it got that treatment, those would not be in there. Mm -hmm. And I think that the show would be much poorer for it. Because it was, you know, I read something a while ago about how DS9 was one of the first shows, not the first Star Trek, but one of the first shows full stop to start integrating like season long narrative arcs instead of just episodic Mm -hmm. one offs. But it still had the ability to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, so we could have these one off episodes that. Are like, okay, we're gonna take a step back from the Dominion War for just a sec, and we're going to explore how racism throughout American history still impacts us in the 23rd century, mm-hmm. and that that's still a stain on our national psyche, and we can't get rid of it. Like, to, but we're gonna do it with a hologram, just FYI. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that they're able to do that and have right. these like out of story stories mm-hmm. yeah so one that i saw and i we need to talk about the baseball one mm-hmm. i i we have to but the one where nog comes and this is another season seven when nog comes back he just lost his leg um yeah and he has severe ptsd and he shows up and Ezri is there now Ezri is the counselor and he basically is like screw you, I don't want to talk to you, 
<laughs> I want to hang out in my in my quarters. Jake gets pissed at him and is like, you haven't left in right. days. You keep listening to the same song and repeat. Get out of here. And and Nog goes to the house suite uh, to Vic Fontaine's yeah. club <laughs> and goes... As we all do. Vic. <laughs> uh, he's like, you're sitting on a ladinum mine here. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Hysterical line. And like convinces Vic to like open up a casino and is in there twenty four right. hours, twenty six hours a day. Um, and then that's the episode right. where we learn that Vic Fontaine has superpowers <laughs> and can, right. can turn the program on and off as he wants to. Oh my gosh! I mean, it wasn't all gems, but there's <laughs> but there's good but stuff the, in but there. There's a there's a part in there where where Nog, uh, so the the story is that. They decide to let him do this as a way to recover. Right. And it falls on Vic Fontaine to be his like surrogate counselor because Ezreed won't do it or doesn't want to do it right. or he won't talk to her. And and Aaron Eisenberg has this monologue where he like starts crying about how he doesn't want to go back to real life. That when he when the war started and he enlisted, he thought that none, none of this was going to happen to him. But then he saw so many people yeah. get killed and then he lost his leg. And now all this is very real. And it's like, holy shit. Like, this is pre-9-11. <laughs> you yeah. know, that re- that lands, you know, so differently this the this this year. Like that was it was incredible. And against yeah. the backdrop of him him wearing a tuxedo right. <laughs> with the full Frankie, obviously the full makeup on in this 60s <laughs> Vegas club is just yeah, there's no way that would have been made today. Um, um, I, I guess when I was talking about like the prestige treatment, just like there, there are so many parts of the show where I I find myself frustrated. Where it's like they spend a lot of time establishing stuff in the story that they they abandon very quickly, right? Like the stuff with um the the changelings being able to impersonate anybody and they've infiltrated everywhere. Like that gets right. dropped. Um, this a lot of the stuff with the wormhole. Like they kind of pick and choose that, like when that's going to matter. Um, the the stuff with like we need to blood test everybody, um, mm-hmm. like just lots of things like that, that's inconsistent. And I I I know it's because the writers probably had six weeks to knock out like twenty episodes, twenty plus episodes, um, and that a bulk of the money probably went towards special effects, towards um, Odo, towards, <laughs> yeah, the Odo the Odo budget, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I applaud them for what they did, but I, I know that if it was made this year and they had time to really like drill down in like all of the tragedies that the characters have experienced, mm-hmm. I think it would be even more powerful, right? Like Kira, for example, oh, yeah. uh, is incredible. Yeah. Um, so good. Gosh. As, as. Like a lot of people have have ex- had to experience over history, right? Like being this freedom fighter turned military bureaucrat, mm-hmm. um, turned like basically second in command of the ship or the station, right. um, is really like a really important story, I think, um, for all kinds of reasons. And I, I just wish that they had done more with it. But um, unfortunately, with her, they they spend a lot of time with like Kira's boyfriend of the season. Right. Those types of episodes that like here's another Vedic who's come onto the station. Right. <laughs> Batting his eyes at Kira. And now we have to get get this will they or won't they for 
for a few weeks and then he's going to die tragically. They, they won't. <laughs> they, they won't because yeah. he'll be on fire by episode nine. Yeah, she has like a little bit of a Black Widow kind of thing about her. And then, and then her with Odo just doesn't work. It, like, it's so it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's is, so uncomfortable. Is there something, and I've, I've been thinking a lot about this, uh, a, a lot about this. Is there something like that you've watched recently, um, or in your I don't know second viewing or or grown upness that you didn't catch the first time around that you're like surprised they got away with? Well, not it got away with or surprised like the the risk they took, right? Like for me, like for example, like the Gem Hadar mm-hmm. was just like, hey, look, they're on drugs. We're hey. making a commentary about government and drug use and the war on drugs and and like Mm -hmm. at 12 or 13 or whatever i wasn't like hey wait a minute but now i'm like oh what that was this is like 94 you know this is real close to operation desert storm so blowing like nog's leg off was like what are wow (laughs) and then this like in retrospect i'm like holy so is were there any things like that for you for you all the the thing with the Jem'Hadar, that was another one that I I knew there was another one that they they hinted at that they dropped. So they there's a, a brief storyline where like we have to bring down the minefield because we're running out of Ketrasol White, yeah, um, the drug that the Jem'Hadar are genetic like engineered to be addicted to, and then they just completely mm-hmm. drop that that whole that all th- that whole yeah. thing goes away, which I thought was unfortunate because I thought there were a lot of cool things that they could have done with that, and there are there are a couple things times during six and seven season six and seven where they kind of treat the Jemadar as like a as like the borg like they serve the same function as the borg where uh cisco and a couple of other characters are are just on the verge of like breaking through their like hyper hyper militaristic mm-hmm. to the point of like religious fanaticism um um mentality and like you can tell that they're like they're they really want to make like a hue version of the Jemadar. Um, but they they pull back from it for whatever reason. Um, I think that the Maquis are that that is a storyline that again, like if this if this show is on today and and a main a major network put the Maquis out there, uh, social media would explode like for, sure. for for and against it. Um, and that yeah. was the part where I got like pissed at Cisco, like the whole Eddington thing. Um, yeah. So like that that landed, you know, watching this when I was in high high school, middle school, whenever, like it's just like, oh, this doesn't really mean I didn't really get it. But now like with all the work that I've done and I'm doing and everything happening in the world, the the Maquis and like what Eddington does and all the the confrontation between Cisco and Eddington and before before Eddington with um Cal Hudson, um, who's another captain who who defects to the Maquis. Who Cisco was close with, yeah. um, and I, I think was like a, a mentor to him. That like that was a, a major like holy shit! I can't believe that this I'm watching this right now, <laughs> kind of kind of moment. Um, and I, I was mad at Cisco for the decisions that he made too. I was really I was really pissed at him. <laughs> like, but that. That's one of the things that's awesome about Cisco, though, is like mm-hmm. when when were you ever pissed at Picard? Never. Like, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when were you ever like I wouldn't do that? You that's not the or 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Shatner just didn't make decisions. He just like led with, <laughs> he, he just led with his face <laughs> or other parts. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that was the thing about Cisco. Is just like, okay, you got to think about what your what your protagonist, yep. right. the decisions he actually made, and they're gonna have consequences. Mm-hmm. That's gonna just zip off to the next episode. Yep. Yeah, and and Which I, I, I never talk about those aliens again, or <laughs> that right. conflict never comes up again. There's no, there's no lasting ramifications for it. Yeah, when he, they, they bring up uh, Les Mis. They lean pretty heavily into the Les Mis parallel with Cisco and Eddington as um, um, Valjean and Javert. Yeah, and then Cisco threatens to like basically nuke an entire monkey. Correct. <laughs> like, what is happening right now? What are you right, doing? Right. <laughs> so, but it was, but it didn't like it didn't make him. Um, unsympathetic? No, I didn't. Like no. you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. He's about the Federation. That's right. like, yeah, he's totally indoctrinated, and you get yeah. it. Yep. he's in it. Yeah, that that is like part of what I love about the character is like walking the line between bureaucrat, parent, religious, unwilling religious figure, right, and, right. Yeah. and career military man is like you just don't see that. Like I don't know if you even see it, right. like characters like that today you know i i i I honestly don't know if people get that kind of material to work with yeah and i yeah i don't know if if you know the attention span the overall attention span would exist you know for people to grasp what was happening week to week i mean even now even with the current tv shows now that are released on streaming Mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk of especially in reviews which are, you know, presented as objective, while, even though they're subjective. Um, people are going, you know, well, this is a lot of filler. It's like, well, what are you talking about? This episode brought up something that happened last season. That right. wasn't filler. Right. So this isn't a filler. Mm-hmm. It all counts towards something. You just have to be willing to take the time to, get to invest in it and, you right. know, stay cognizant of it. Um, I watched the pilot back uh, last night and today, Emissary Parts 1 and 2. Mm. And I noticed that the show was telling its viewers that, you know, not only was it setting up, you know, what the characters have to do and get beyond, but what the viewers have to do is to not regard this as the show that came before, not regard this as the original series or as the next generation. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that stands out uh, from the jump. Now, you know, watching it back is when the Bajorans say linear existence is destructive. Your linear existence is destructive. Mm-hmm. And I mean that is true. You know, we, mm-hmm. we go through and <laughs> we're just kind of fumbling about in the moment. Um, Cisco's whole thing is that he is stuck in the moment in the battle where his wife died, and where he saw the imagery of Picard as Locutus mm-hmm. supplants all of his knowledge moving forward, and he cannot move past. That one moment, and he can't figure it out why until he's, you know, he keeps coming back to it, and they kind of assist him in saying, "Okay, you have to move beyond this, so that you can continue to value the fact that you don't know what's next." Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you don't move past this moment, you're not going to see anything else. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it sets up every single character introduced in that pilot. Everyone is unhappy. And they can't get past the fact that they're at Deep Space Nine 
or they have to deal with Deep Space Nine. Right. And then it sets them to the point where, okay, we're all here. We're all in our roles, for better or for worse. What do we do to move forward while we're on the precipice of this conflict? Remind me, is Bashir mad in the in the pilot? Because I remember he's he's like he's um, doing like poverty tourism, right? Like he wants he, to be the yeah. doctor on the front lines. Yeah, uh, he is naive to the point where it makes everybody else he deals with angry. Yeah, right. and he has to move past his idealism. Yeah, and you know his his kind of you know wide eyed. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. Glad I'm here. And yeah, he's, like he's super white savior kind yeah. of. But kind of like thinking about like. um genetic engineering of embryo and children and such like now it hits different than it would have back then because we're so close to doing things like that i'm just kind of like oh shit yeah yep with that with everything that 2020 and what the right. 2020s will bring up from the 1920s yeah. like yeah bashir as a a weird like eugenics kind of thing yeah um, and he's yeah. like the only one that turned out regular because when they bring in like those other people from like the mental institution, like yeah. So I it's sk- like it go- what happens when this goes wrong? Yeah, I skipped wrong. those because I knew it would make me upset. <laughs> but I think there's like something there about what even uh, counts for passable behavior, or, like what is deviant behavior in right. Star Trek. Um, where they like, even though this is this weird show about aliens, like there's still <laughs> like Virginia and I talked about this. Like this is still very capitalistic, imperialistic. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of like unusual behavior is tolerated, and if it's ever brought up, it's usually like sexual deviancy. With just yes. like Riker is going to go to Riza, and <laughs> like it's understood that he's going to come back with, or he falls um, in love with an androgynous hu- person, right? Who then has to get like sexually corrected. Yeah. I use that episode in my like race, class, gender, sexualities course because I'm like, yeah, what kind of themes do you see here? I, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I forget we talked about that. Yeah, right. it's like the only like one of the few times that they actually do something with Riker that's meaningful, right? <laughs> that has any kind of depth. Because he's like, I don't just want to have sex with her. I love her. So I'm just like, are you sure? Because <laughs> he even goes to like Deanna and he's like, so is this going to be a problem for us if I try and like tap this over here? And I'm just kind of like, what is happening? What is, is it, happening? Is that, pe- is that pre-Beard Riker or nah? I can't remember. No, that's Beard Riker. No, that's, that's, that's Beard Riker. Yeah, yeah that's, that's Beard Riker. Yeah. Beard Riker was a problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Do a chair weird. Do a chair weird and... and uh, Gary Beard, Virginia. I was. I'm curious. Like, I know that like Deep Space Nine got a lot of flack for being dark and like not being optimistic. And you brought up colonialism. Like, do you do you think? What do you think the critique of? What do you think about that critique? Like that people don't didn't respond to Deep Space Nine because it wasn't presenting because it was thinking critically about the Federation rather than just, hey, it's utopia where we all don't use money. Yeah. (laughs) I think that people did have some really strong feelings about that when it first came out because the Federation in Bradbury's uh, original vision was supposed to be free from conflict. Like that was one of the original rules for Star Trek was that there was no interpersonal conflict between officers or characters. 
um, all conflict was supposed to be between this like racialized other and Mm -hmm. the Federation. So it wasn't that there was a lack of conflict. Obviously there was with the Klingons, but that conflict wasn't supposed to be within the Federation. And so there was this idea that once other species were enfolded into Mm -hmm. a civilizing mission that the Federation had, then they would have, you know, like Letitia, you were saying, these standards of behavior that would be accepted and normalized amongst everyone. And once they adopted this correct outlook, then conflict would fall away. And I think that DS9 did a really good job, a very provocative job too, of showing that that conflict was always going to be internal, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and dredging it up to the surface doesn't mean it didn't exist before. It just meant that the narrative before was one of a lack of conflict. And so there's so many things you can focus on that DS9 dealt with in a different way than before. Yeah, very, I think very nice. Elegantly, yeah. Yeah. The episode where um, Cisco was kind of having those seizures and he's like, in this alternate universe in which he's a writer and he's trying to write this character in space. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's it's definitely a commentary on the fact that even in the era in which it was written, having a Black man in that position of power wasn't something that, like, happens. Yeah. Especially not in all of this complexity, right? And so I was just like, yeah, mm -hmm, do it. I like this. And that comes up... I would have watched that as a show. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like that episode. Yeah. I if, that was, that if that was a backdoor pilot, I'd be like, okay, we're, right. just, what we're doing like, now. Yeah, okay, I, cool, I, cool, I, cool, I, cool. I like, let's go. Yeah. Oh, this was all, this was all, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a beautiful episode. It I is. will say, I think that DS9 is much more successful in dealing with some things than other things. Yeah. So, one of the ways that I think it fell down enormously was in the way that it dealt with sexuality. Oh, yeah. In it. Um, just sure. overall, you know, mm-hmm. you were talking about TNG and Riker with this, like, her. <laughs> but yeah, because they're because they were not like they were an androgynous species. But the character said, "I feel like a woman," and yeah. so, like, you know, until and, until they didn't. Because absolutely you know, correction. Mm-hmm. And then in DS Nine, we have the figure of. Um, uh, Jadzia, yes. Who, like, the more that I watch the show, the more that I appreciate Jadzia. Love her. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was a big revelation for me, too. Of like w- how much shit she talks. Right. <laughs> she because she's in like a million people. Yeah. She's been a mother, a father, like. Yeah. And I think you know if they made DS Nine today, there would be much more emphasis on Jadzia as like this queer trans like yes. gender fluid oh without question yes yeah. well like, they're 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 doing that in discovery right now yes the um yeah the character i haven't caught up her to the uh, I just, i'm just saying you're absolutely yep. yeah it's absolutely yeah. what happened yeah <laughs> so. and i really love that because like i think that it's very understated in a way that they had to do to maybe like 
get it on air, but like yeah. Gen Z is a huge slut and like oh, that yeah. is really enjoyable Ooh. to watch. It is. She loves it. She, she loves, loves it. She's, she's confident about it. Like she sees right. nothing wrong with her behavior at all. Yeah. And I like that for her, like that's very normal, mm-hmm. but I think it's clear in the context of the show that it's not right. Like, you know, and not just for Worf, who is his own thing, <laughs> but like other characters are like, "Ooh, you had dinner with Captain mm-hmm. Baudet again? Yeah. Right. Are you sure that you should have done that?" And she's like, "Hell yeah, Why I love his yeah. brain." And and what's <laughs> what's really just fascinating to me is I I clearly remember when you know so this is what they call a callback to earlier in our episode like i came up in this like really religiously conservative house Mm -hmm. and the fact that that terry farrell check my check my imdbs because i don't trust myself anymore um (laughs) but like uh, there was like that was the first on-screen lesbian kiss i had ever seen Mm -hmm. and my parents were I believe the phrase is apoplectic. Apoplectic. They're like, I don't think you can watch this show anymore. I don't think I like this. So, like, you're absolutely like it cuts so many different ways. Like, you're absolutely right. But everybody was mad about how it was like. It's it's interesting because how they tried to navigate it was really pushing the envelope in some regards, but then Mm -hmm. like really problematic in other ways. Well, speaking of, you know, the callback again, you know, in TNG, there's that, uh, there's that trill that briefly inhabits Riker's body. Oh yeah. uh, Crusher is in love with the trill. Yeah. And she has a really hard, you know, and she has a really hard time when it moves into Riker's body, but she right. decides she's going to like keep pursuing it. Da, 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 da. And then eventually it moves into a woman's body and she's like, okay, actually, okay, no, move. never mind. Like, right. <laughs> you know, the, the form is a problem for right. me. And right. by the time we get around to DS nine, they've rewritten the trill. Like it, it's not just that they are like, okay, some people still have like, like sex-based hang-ups it's they've rewritten right. the entire trill society by ds9 to be like you can never be with who you were before because right. of all these politics. reasons yeah like reasons. but those reasons very clear <laughs> reasons you know they very clearly i think stem from a meta-narrative hang-up about like homophobic relationships you know they're like oh well if you were a man before and you were married to a woman and then you die and you become become a woman right obviously you can't be with her (laughs) like (laughs) that's that's so interesting you say that because like how does that like getting back to cisco they're really like the relationship he's like he calls him old calls her old man all the time right Mm -hmm. and so like how it complicates an understanding of Mm-hmm. Personhood, right? Mm-hmm. Right, because she's like, yeah, yep, that's, that's me. me. I yeah. do. I contain multitudes. You bet your ass. Is that like, when she went with the Klingons because of her blood oath when she was previously? And she's like, well, I don't care what body I'm in. I'm still doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yep. yeah, do it. And I really, I, love it. I actually do appreciate how much the Klingons are like, okay. Like, they don't care. Can you fight? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like, not once do they blink about this at all. She's like, 
yep, that was me. And they're like, all right, grab your weapon. Let's go. All right, cool. Here's, here's a bunch of stabby stuff. Let's do this. <laughs> so there's, there's, uh, the there's, albino. The albino episode. I want to call out uh, about Dax. So the first one, um, when, when they introduce Worf or reintroduce Worf on end of this series, um, and uh, I think it's Chief O'Brien is showing him around. When he, do you remember when he meets Dax? The first time he meets Dax? It's because Dax and Kira are coming down the stairs from the hollow suite and they're dressed in like the chintziest like princess costumes. Oh yeah. Dax is, Dax is like lecturing Kira because she punched out Lancelot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Kira's like, he was being too forward with me, which is like completely against her, against her um, as like kind of a little bit of the Riker of the show. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, and then they, they, like watching it now for a second it's like they they kind of do a head fake with like Kira and Worf are going to be a thing like here's here's these two strong personalities but then like by the end of the scene just the look on Dax's face and Terry Farrell is so incredible mm-hmm. in that role like you know it's over for Worf <laughs> right done or he's even had a chance to like unpack um and then when they introduce Ezri oh yeah she, when she finally gets to the station and by that point in the show, it's like everybody's comfortable with each other. They're, the cast is clearly like has all this affection for each other. And this is another moment that I really think was probably unscripted. She she comes in and she's like she's like Nuri's. Oh no, it's so great to see you, Julian. How are you? And and everybody's like, who who is who is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, is, who is this? What is happening? Like, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> just goes like that's Dax. And Worf is like, nope. Like, nope. I took like, her. No, it's not. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Dex is gone. <laughs> <laughs> all of that, and she, and it's it's such a contrast because I I don't know what their difference in ages was in real life, but Nicole yeah. DeBoer, who played Ezri, she seems much younger. Yeah, and she's she, they write her as like kind of cute, right? right. Like. One of the so, first things yeah. is that she gets space sick and she she throws up in the runabout. And it's like they really kind of like almost present her as childlike in some ways. But Cisco okay. still calls her old man, which is right. really like endearing. And like for Cisco, like nothing has changed. Right. <laughs> like I miss like, Jadzia, cool. but in a way, Jazia's here and now I get to meet Ezri. And um the important thing is like clearly the symbiote to him. Right. And I do like towards the end her relationship with Worf in which he's kind of like this protective person. Like you really want to date those guys? <laughs> yeah. Like you sure? Yeah. <laughs> O'Brien and O'Brien builds a full scale model of the Alamo. That he oh my God. Works and him and him and, and Julian are like talking like... strategy and Worf's like, he plays with toys. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and as we, as we gives it back to him, she's like, if you want to go down there and give him advice, you can. <laughs> Morris doesn't glares at her back. I love it. It's so good. Like DS9 is my absolute favorite Star Trek. Hands down. And I've seen all of them because like when you start something in grad school, you actually have to commit to it. Because you do that rather than writing your dissertation. It's like what am I gonna do today? I don't right. know. <laughs> Season seven's not gonna watch itself. No, right. Like, yeah, I don't get the <laughs> lit review. Can wait. Right. Worf can't. Worf can't. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. No, but I like one of. The, I I think we're still seeing a lot of the legacy of 
um, of Cisco in, yeah. and I don't want to do spoilers here, but like you don't get as problematic as Discovery was. I mean, we you don't get a lot of that crew, right? right? Without yeah, there was that first. there was that like. That neo, sort of Virginia, what you're talking about, like that neoliberal multiculturalism, like we got one everybody. Look, we even got a communist guy. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but we all believe, right? But but like it's like, oh look, we all we're all it's fine, which is cool. And then that moves kind of moves things forward. But but with Cisco, it's like no, we can tell these really intricate stories, mm-hmm. meaningfully so. Yeah. Um. I, like, I'm a big fan of Discovery right now, and I actually, I actually really like some of the choices that they're making, especially with regard to, um, the crew of that ship and Michael yeah. Burnham in particular. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, there's the closest thing to a. Uh, you got Doug Jones under a bunch of like prosthetic makeup, but mm-hmm. I mean, that is a, a particular vision of the future that I don't think you necessarily get without taking some real risks in the in 90s. Deep space. Yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. And I think the, the one thing to really keep in mind is that with, with whatever was going to follow uh, Next Generation, and in some regards, they took a step back after Deep Space Nine, uh, was the fact that, you know, this was the first show without anything, any kind of input from Roddenberry, from notes, anything mm. like that. It's the first thing that they, you know, had to push on without any sort of influence in that regard. Mm. So you get this uh, wholly new take on mm-hmm. Star Trek franchise. Yeah. Um, then, you know, in some regards with how, you know, Voyager was set up, and especially with Enterprise, mm-hmm. um, it took steps back afterwards mm-hmm. because you don't, you know, you're not, You've you've kind of locked the shows the 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 uh, following shows back into those archetypes that were set in from the original yes. series. Yes, you know, just kind of like you know, just like, kind of playing bro. people back into those roles. Well, that's not it. That ain't it. You we, have to go, especially you know, if you're going right, to start right. doing Trek these days, right. you have to dial in on characterization in yep. order to push things differently. In mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine. Shoot, we're not going to see that again unless they really start taking risks like they did with Discovery. Yeah, so, right. it has to be intentional. Right? It, uh, like, I really appreciate that they they stay so far away from from next generation stuff. Like I had forgotten how long the the storyline with the war with the Dominion. Like I I right. forgot how much that dominates that that series. And they they I mean they never mention anybody from. From the Enterprise, there's there's one episode where O'Brien uh, is trying to like it might be the beginning of season seven, I forget, but he's he's trying to get Worf to open up about losing Dax, and he mentions Barkley. Right. <laughs> Remember Barkley? Remember what a dope he was? <laughs> and Worf was like, "Yes, he was very silly or whatever." Remember um, that he time he thought he was God? <laughs> what a what a guy! But like it, it <laughs> I have to think is like. Fans who were who were probably like hardcore next gen fans watching the show must have been waiting for like Picard to swoop in right. on Enterprise to like like why didn't you just do things this way and then single handedly defeat the entire Dominion um in, in you know thirty two minutes with commercials because <laughs> well, it was so know, much better uh, not to and, and yeah. even even in the pilot if you, they, the show pretty much says if you want your dose of the next generation this is the only time you're going to get it. Yep. 
great. It's still on. Go watch Generation Next Generation. Right. <laughs> because you have Picard shows up. Picard does his thing. He's presented the way. You know, it's almost like Picard gets Captain Kirk mm-hmm. in the sense that he is presented a certain way uh, each and every time uh, after a certain point. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, it, like the, the fan perception of Captain Kirk is now the dominating perception. Right. Yeah. You know, rather than what was presented right. in the original series moving forward. So Picard is now locked in as his figure. And mm-hmm. Cisco walks up to this figure, says, you know, I don't like what you're responsible for, mm-hmm. but I'm going to move past it. And I'm going to move past that point in my life in order to do this. And that's what Deuce right. Sign is. Mm-hmm. And it's such a brave move because even the Mandalorian won't not call back to stuff. And I love right. the Mandalorian. I but like, it's like, hey, remember Star Wars? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's in the same universe. We're like, yeah. oh, that was that one guy who was in the background of that one thing and he referenced the thing. Like, yeah. Deep Space like, Nine doesn't do that. Like, uh, yeah, O'Brien, don't worry. We're going we're gonna to make him sad. That's really the only going to be <laughs> O'Brien must suffer, but that's all you're going to get. Through line wise, <laughs> no, I couldn't watch that one. I I was still that traumatized was. from watching it the first time. Yeah, that, I mean that's a problem that Star Wars has that I think they've leaned into, right? Like this is going right. to be our thing where now everything has is tied together. But that that's a, for the such boy. a bold choice, right? Except yeah, for the for, the, for Deep Space Nine, forget about. <laughs> well, yeah, and the fact that uh, they complain about a certain movie three years after it came out yeah. um, means that it did something well, correct. Well, what were you talking about? Like, get past it? <laughs> what can we learn from Deep Space Nine? Like, bro, you're lin- what'd you say? Like, the linear understanding of time? Yes, linear existence. Yes. 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 Just keep looking back. That's such a bold move. Oh, yes. This is why. It's such a bold move to not, like, bring any, like, even, even Next Generation didn't do that. Even Next Generation brought Nimoy back. Yeah. Right? right? Um, mm-hmm. Picard is all is, is all of that. I like I like Picard. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot of like, wow, Next Generation didn't really work out <laughs> the way he thought it was going to. That went different. <laughs> but like, Deep Space Nine is its own. It's like its own thing. It's all like, Grip, what you're talking about like, it's everybody coming to Deep Space Nine rather than boldly going. It's everywhere. Right. It's like yeah. it's a truck stop yeah. in the emissary. It is right. It's just like. <laughs> Yeah, well, we gotta I mean, put some gets... by this weird hole in space. Just put the garbage by it. Put who's in charge? I don't know. This guy and these terrorists. Yeah. Mark, and right? Like the, they don't really care. It's just this thing mm-hmm. that yeah. everybody comes to, rather than like, oh, we will boldly go and colonize right. everything, yeah. which is <laughs> ideologically uh, right. But, but like, like, also, it's its you... own thing. The intentionality of including a, a Ferengi as a main character when that had failed so so magnificently so, in yeah. like what Will Re- Will Wheaton wrote about in uh, Memories of Future Past about how the Ferengi yeah. were supposed to be the new the new Klingons as like the big bad and how embarrassing the the writing was and <laughs> everybody just kind of and offensive the char- the characters were. <laughs> you guys like our new bad guys? Armin we we does, do not like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah it about these robot zombies, so. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is also weird that the Borg are never the Borg never show up. Yeah, they don't. So how much so Deep Space Nine doesn't like 
It's fine. It We're not, not going to assimilate we don't need to. your collective gut. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think, but I think again, it, it um, even in the pilot, again, it kind of addresses the one thing about the board. What's the fear of? Yeah. The fear is assimilation. Well, we're not going to do that here. Yep. We're going to get along and we don't need this threat because we already saw it before because what did the main character go through? The mm-hmm. fact that his whole world was destroyed uh, due to the assimilation mm-hmm. of a higher ranking federal official, uh, federation official. Right. So you, right. you can't play it out any more than how it gets played Mm-mm. in the pilot. You can't. Yeah, and and just thinking about like the ways that it, it comes back and like how they intentionally decenter that old stuff. Like, it, uh, I watched the one a couple of nights ago where the Breen, who are pretty cheap looking, right. uh, <laughs> uh, attack Earth, and they don't show any. They don't show any of it. They they didn't have the budget for it clearly, um, but like they move on from it pretty quickly. And like, there's another mission on a planet called I think Jumkata. And the character is like, I can't believe this is happening. First Earth, then Jamkata. <laughs> We're all at risk here. Right. And Earth is like this, uh, like also ran. Also ran. <laughs> kind of like, I mean, Earth. I mean, you kind of get. Federation, but like, <laughs> <laughs> the line, like the line to everybody. First Earth, then Jamkata. <laughs> like, you hate first to see they it. took out New you York City. Yeah. Then Wilkesbury. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> you, you got your priorities a little, <laughs> that little bit. Oh, you know, you you mentioned Griff. You mentioned something that I think is really cool. Is what is a meaning like? You think about what a democracy or what a a, a community is, and like people on Deep Space Nine aggressively don't get along. Right. Like, do you trust oh, yeah. the tailor? You do not. Right. Ever. Right. We made but it an you, hour without talking about Garrick and Garrick. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Like, but like, you don't trust him, but nobody better mess with Garrick. He's like right. your uncle right. who you're like, nah, that's our, that's our real sketchy guy. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Because of, and under Cisco's leadership, it's just like, nah, this is just what we do here. This is how we operate in this a very it. real humanizing way rather than like, any trek that we've had before or really since. Yeah. I think I, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. And I like the narrative about like Kira's mom and Ducat and like the complexities of those types of relationships because Kira was like, you don't know my mom, man. Like what you talking about? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, but actually he knows your mother intimately. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird because he's always kind of hitting on you. And I find that to be distressing because you were like a child when he was with your mother. So like, what the fuck? Yeah. But okay, sure. Yeah. Great. Gold Ducat's a great follow on Twitter, by the way, just in yeah. case you're wondering. Really? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. It's okay. Great. I just followed all, all of you, by the way. So yes, love it. All, all in. Um, what was I going to say? In. Yeah, Garrick, like, Again, I hate to keep bringing this up, but like, if this came out today, and there's a character who used to be the super spy assassin, who and now has now been exiled and is a tailor, <laughs> in in this kind of a position that I think people would still think of like he's been emasculated. I mm-hmm. don't know how the internet in 2020 would react to that. They but, would hate it. And and on paper, <laughs> it's, again, it's one of those things that seems like this is a little ridiculous for a for a show for like. For like a book, this is brilliant. Right? And can can Star Trek pull this off? And, and they did. He, yeah, brilliantly. Like Andrew Robinson is so is so good. 
I, I told Griff a couple weeks ago, my dream, my dream show that could never happen is Garrick and the host from Angel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> together oh would be God. incredible. The best buddy cop show or whatever. <laughs> strangers <laughs> that you could ever have. The, tele- the telepathic demon who can only read your read your mind when you sing karaoke and Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> Straight, to Straight to series. Straight to series. Love it. Amazing. Like I can I can see them. I mean, an angel the times when the host would like try to put on a disguise and it was really just a hat. <laughs> one of the things I really like about Garrick though is is across like what happens after conflict. Right. Life doesn't go back to normal. And that's the first time I saw that in Star Trek. Uh, yeah. Right. So like, yeah, Cisco's life got turned upside down by war, mm-hmm. by and rightfully mm-hmm. so. But he's not the only one for whom that's true. And how does mm-hmm. how does he navigate it? How does I loved the fact that Garrick was like, I guess I'm a tailor now and also I'm kind of hiding, but I'm yeah. not doing a very good job right. about it at all. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows where I am. <laughs> right. But, like, um, but like it okay, just follow me. There's um, an old war, World War II movie called The Way We Were, um, where it's like, it just follows um, veterans that come home from World War II and like, there's not any jobs because they've all been filled. And then uh, this guy, his, he does, his, uh, his hands have been taken. Um, the, like he lost them in a, a grenade explosion. And so he has to like figure out how to navigate. Like, and it kind of shows like, well, what happens after people have given their... Mm-hmm blood, sweat, tears, and lives, like Nog, right? Right. Like, and, and Garrick, too, in like, well, what happens? What happens to the Nazis? They run to Argentina or this yeah. space station. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, okay, and then what do you do? It's not like mm-hmm. you don't have to deal. And what, how, how have we done that historically? Now that may be the 40-something in me reading now, having read too much, thanks grad school. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's still appropriate. I think it's still meaningful, right? Like right. Garrick's an interesting character because yeah, he's a f- mm-hmm. full thi- a full person. Right. Yeah. The, the a part complex where... human being or complex, you know, Cardassian. Yeah. <laughs> There's an episode where Odo is sick, which yes. is something they they rely on too much later on. But Odo is sick, and and Garrick's job is to distract Odo by maybe telling him the truth about his past and maybe not. And they do this brilliant scene where Odo is like in a, in bed. Um, like, like when Odo gets sick, remember, like his skin is like flaky. Falling off. It's his gross. His all disheveled. So Odo's like just in rough shape and he's like interrogating Garrick who's like I was a groundskeeper on Romulus once. He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Who'd you kill? And Garrick's like, it was a very interesting time there. <laughs> I he's just like schluffing in parts. He's like, I'm I have my reason to live because you're a liar. <laughs> it's so good. It's so it's so good. Um there is one other one other Cardassian character that I want to, and this was a complete um, new discovery for me. Watching again is Demar. Oh you remember yeah. Demar? Um, and his alcoholism. Yes. So <laughs> Demar 
it could have Damar was clearly written or introduced as like we need like generic military thug type guy, right? Like a right. brute. Um, and we're gonna make him a drunkard because it's fun, <laughs> right? Mm. Like he needs this flaw. Um, and I remembered, I remember the the one episode in season six where uh, Kira and Odo and uh, Ram, poor Ram, uh, are are like the three person and Jake are the four person resistance front on the station, and they they don't do very much to resist. Yes, what <laughs> they do is they steal they steal Demar's pad. <laughs> Or Damar has written this memo about how the Ketracel White is running out, and they give it to the Jemadar, and it creates this big fight. Um, yeah. Damar, by season seven, there's there's a part where it's so good. They uh, they're setting up him turning uh, against the Dominion, and there's one scene where he he goes to get a drink, and he sees himself in the mirror, and he turns away from the mirror, and then the so like that's important because you know when he decides to like come around or whatever his his face turn uh he he pours a glass he sees himself in the mirror and he throws it at the mirror and mm. i was like yes yes <laughs> <laughs> my guy you did it and it's also funny because the the guy who the actor he's the same actor who played Cisco's doctor um when Cisco is having like the the scenes with a writer right there's a scene oh, where yes. Cisco's writing on the wall yeah, and it's Casey Biggs. It's the guy who played the Doctor and Demar, and I'm like that's that's awesome. Like it is. today, a, years a, old. A testament <laughs> to a testament to to him as an actor that like we need somebody who like like to really to really nail the story of Cisco having a mental illness and imagining all of this. Then the Doctor has to be somebody that he incorporated into the story, but it it can't be like. Kira or Odo or somebody close right. to him, right? Because that would be way too obvious. And so putting Damar in that, like Casey Biggs in that spot was, I thought, Smart. brilliant. But when he, when he throws the canard at the mirror, even though the stuff is like, it looks like maple syrup. It really <laughs> does. Like, like it's, it, it wouldn't have been pleasant to drink. No. But they don't really Me- method acting. Pleasant drinks. Like, <laughs> canard is gross. Blood wine seems gross. I'm oh, like, yeah. what is this? Why is the alcohol gross in the future? I don't Stop. understand. <laughs> Stop fermenting everything. <laughs> like, just, just stop. Can we just have like a nice Chianti, like in the night? 19- yeah, nobody's like, I would like a wine. Yeah. Red. Red. Picard, Chateau Picard, just fine. <laughs> no, we boiled this dirt until it fermented. Want some? <laughs> oh, no, I don't. You're off. And then no one ever, like, sure, that sounds good. Like, no one goes, right. I'm a pass. Right. Um, they always want it. It was like, the why? I got to. I I gotta uh, take care of dinner for the oh, for the kids, yes. but um, I don't want to break it up. But I I would just advocate for this being distributed far and wide because I agree. This was fabulous. this is rad. I want this to be a panel at a convention. Please. I want to get this back to get the, this back together. This is together, like yeah. the exact. Want to start like a like a deep amazing episode by episode rewatch. <laughs> Yes, you want to do that? Yes, I'm, let's do it. Yup, I'm ready. Just get, just, just let let me know so I can get my calendar in. But it's lovely to see you all, and yes. thank you for Thanks inviting for coming, me. Mike. All right, good, good to, to see you. you. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Oh man, I'm glad I got a chance to shout out Demar because that has been a joy <laughs> to see, <laughs> and like Demar as the the would be revolutionary now. 
the dark that I'm in, and they send Kira and Odo and Garrick to to help teach him how to be a gorilla fighter. <laughs> all the Cardassians hate Kira, um, and they're like Damar has his own Damar, which is distracting because the guy looks like he looks like Will Forte. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that guy. Makeup, and I, I can't. I have this bad habit of like, once an actor looks like an SNL cast member to me, I can no longer take it seriously. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, this is this is not. I can't. I can't buy it. But he, yeah, they give they give Kira a Starfleet uniform, which I think was probably just a reward for Nana Visitor. Um, after seven seasons of service, like you can grow your hair back out. You can you can have the same costume as everybody else. Right. Um, at the rank of commander, which is, and that's like parts of the show that frust- that are frustrating. Like Dax dies. Dax is a science officer, and then they just don't have a science officer, officer anymore. anymore. I mean, yeah. who needs science? Like that's on brand for right now. Like, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> totally on brand. Worf, Worf is brought in to be Starfleet security because they screwed up with Eddington. Mm-hmm. But then Worf decides to go to command, and so now there's just no security for Starfleet there. No. Um. As, as a counselor, but they made it so long without a counselor, which is weird. Right. Given the given like the the substantial amount of trauma that has has happened on Bajor, so everyone is deeply traumatized on that show. They yeah. should have, so counselor. have a counselor. Right. Um, and so I wonder if that if they didn't cast that part because they they didn't they wanted to avoid parallels to DS Nine and having Colin mm. there was was all that they were willing to do. But they, yeah, I, I sometimes get too caught up in the logistics of like, <laughs> especially once they add the defiant, like the defiant becomes a crutch. Yeah. The show. Cause right. now, at that point, the show, like the, the senior staff kind of become the Scoobies. And yeah. like, like everybody report to the defiant, like, well, who's going to run the station? Like <laughs> Quark's in charge now, I guess. Right. <laughs> And, and they even send him, like, he comes along on stuff for, for no real reason. Right. Um, because the Ferengi are just about money. Until yeah. they're not. And, like, that whole storyline was interesting. Like, his mom is like, ooh, I'm not going to be naked anymore. I'm going to wear clothes. And I'm just like, what is happening? Yeah. I don't understand. But yeah. also great. Like, clothes are cool. <laughs> that was a weird film <laughs> so for him to, like, insist on dying on. Right? right, like we we're cool with reworking character stuff that we recognize is problematic or just doesn't work, but we're gonna keep the Frengi as like the galaxy's misogynists, right? And like that's fine, money hungry misogynists, <laughs> like <just> I, gross. <laughs> yeah. But to, to the extreme that they went to, right? I, I thought was and like. Those are episodes too that you know, like that's this is an automatic skip. Like I, I don't need forty five <laughs> minutes of like they're trying to fumble through this, this awful. And Cork is gonna become a woman, and he's gonna prove it. And I'm just like, what the fudge is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is not a good use of of Armin Zimmerman's talent. <laughs> I just really wonder how I would have responded if I had watched this like back in the day in my youth. If I had not been so tragically afraid of aliens. Because, <laughs> like, my dad loves Star Trek, and now it's, like, one of the things that we talk about all the time. And he's like, I've been waiting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's how I got into it, too, to, like, to cycle back to the very beginning. My dad grew up with the original series, 
mm-hmm. and like loved Spock. And so I remember when Next Generation came on, I remember watching Encounter at Farpoint, having mm-hmm. been raised on a diet of watching Star Wars repeatedly and being like, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is strange. And like just the way that that's now like doing like film stuff, I recognize that the lighting in season one of Next Generation is is really off-putting. Um, and like, I, I still can't watch those early episodes without getting like profoundly uncomfortable with how it's, how it's, how it's lit, like compared to, to later, later seasons where it's much brighter. Um, something about like, it it honestly feels like it's lit by like lamplight. (laughs) Like like, there's off camera, like they got all their grandma's lamps around and that's what's lighting the set. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not like you know, we we went to Kmart real quick to get like as many uh, light bulbs as we could to light the set, and it's not super great. I love it, <laughs> but my dad my dad loved it, and so then I loved it too. And I've like I I've always loved science fiction, but I remember I remember the right. I remember reading a TV guide when DS Nine was coming out, and I'm like there's going to be a shapeshifter. Like this is what and. Like supplanting the crush that every next generation fan had on uh, Ro Laren immediately over to Major Kira. <laughs> and then, like, there's going to be a Bajoran. Like, this is wild. Um, and then just like getting blasted with like this actually incredible show that was, again, like, I think handled right. stuff better than Next Gen did. Right. Um, serialized. I've had friends tell me, like, the reason I like next or the reason I like DS9 more is because I'm a sociologist. I remember having that conversation. Huh. Like, because it's set in this, because it's serialized, because it, because of the setting, mm-hmm. forcing them to sort of make the station into a character kind of, um, and not just go off on the adventure of the week. Yeah. Um, like Star Trek historically has been, which is fine, but like, I'm not, I don't, I don't get like super, super, super into it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Such a good show. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I think we're tired. I get the sense that <laughs> the air is out of the blue. reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to send this to Mark. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Um, I wanted to record a separate outro um, just to say that we are going on a break for a little while. Um, I had mentioned this, I believe, on here a couple of weeks ago, um, that the plan last year was to take the summer off, um, and then the pandemic happened, and folks really, really wanted to come on the show, and I ended up spending uh, my entire summer um, and a lot of my fall semester recording interviews. Um, So I am uh, in desperate need of a break. Um, I am taking... Uh, well, let me rewind a little bit. Um, I'm just about to graduate uh, with another degree, a master's in creative writing, and have started working towards my MFA um, this this year. Um, and I'm taking nine graduate credits on top of my usual 12-credit um, teaching load. So I'm pretty busy. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, Maybe we should just drop in the strength check <laughs> intro here. Uh, so let's do that and make this a, a little bonus episode. So as I was saying, uh, 
I've been really thinking a lot about my career over the past couple of months um, and like what my place is uh, in the academy um, what what do you do when the thing that you're good at is something that your field doesn't really care about or appreciate that much um, or uh, treats as a, a kind of transactional thing um, and I don't know um, I can tell you that on tenure tracks is going to continue um, as far as other projects go uh, I don't know um, I hesitate to even um, say too much about uh, things that have been happening here um, but suffice it to say um, I've been really thinking a lot about like the ethics of what we do um, working at universities that that charge uh, really exorbitant tuition um, in many cases uh, publishing research that is paywalled um, impossible to get to um, and and doing these things when the world seems like it's getting scarier every day uh, you know we have seen over the last 20 years um, uh, a major rise in, in white supremacy and we have seen uh, the death throes uh, of capitalism um, and I think it's more important than ever that those of us who are doing good work, those of you who are doing good work, because I'm not doing any work, uh, are, are trying to get our ideas out into the world um, for free, for people to consume, um, when we know that there are lots of places spreading lots of toxic um, ideas and misinformation, do so freely. Um, and really, since the insurrection, I've been... I've been kind of questioning what my place is. So I suppose it it works out that uh, this episode about Deep Space Nine is the last one before our uh, in, indeterminate hiatus. Uh, just like Captain Sisko is, is, uh, ascends to a higher plane, um, is gifted the opportunity to contemplate the nature of life and knowledge in the universe by the prophets. So too am I <laughs> disappearing for a little while to do the same thing. Um, and much like Captain Sisko said, he will be back one day. I will too. Thank you for humoring me with this. Thank you everyone for listening to the show. Thank you for your support of the show and of my work. Um, I, my plan is to reassess everything on March 1st um, and hopefully reach out to folks um, to see if anybody is interested in being on the show um, in April and May um, before we take a another hiatus over the summer. So if that's you, um, reach out to me on Twitter. You can follow me at HeyDrWill. It's H-E-Y-D-R-W-I-L. Um, and we can hopefully set up a time to talk in March or April. Um, I hope everybody is safe and well, and I'll talk to you when I talk to you.
Dr. Will. That's H-E-Y-D-R-D.